0: Thank you team so much for leading us this morning. You've got your Bibles, Colossians chapter 2 is uh, where we're going to be continuing to walk through this letter, and uh, as you're turning there, it's hard to believe, but it has been almost 20-ish years uh, since I was a college student. And, and uh, I went to a little school, it's about an hour away from here, a little school called Ole Miss. And, and while I was a student at Ole Miss, I was uh, kind of a typical college student in that uh, I was broke and I was hungry a lot. So, um, so one particular Saturday while I was at school, I was hungry, I had no cash, uh, but I had a checkbook. And, uh, and so I went to Backyard Burger to buy a cheeseburger with a check. And so I went and I wrote that check. I got that cheeseburger. And before I ever made it out on the road, I am certain the burger was gone. And I was just on about my business. And about a week later, I went to my little mailbox and I pulled out a little slip of paper, uh, and I will never forget the company that I got this slip of paper from. It's called Secure Check, and when I opened it, it was a little reminder that told me, hey, the check you wrote for the cheeseburger, guess what? You have insufficient funds for that cheeseburger, and so not only do you need to pay us what you, cha- what you needed to pay for the cheeseburger, but hey, here's a little fine to go along with that, uh, and so I got that 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 kind of process a little bit. and I was like, okay, um, well, uh, I guess I'll just write another check. <laughs> so that's what I did. I, I wrote another check uh, to this place, and I wrote a check to cover the bounce check. And I'm just going about you know life as normal, life as usual. Well, you. Can probably have a hunch where this is going. About a week or so later, I went to my mailbox, opened it, and guess what? I had another little slip of paper from Secure Check that let me know, in big bold letters, "You have insufficient funds." So the check that you wrote to cover the bounce check that bounced—guess what? You bounced that check too. And and I kid you not, life lesson. Okay, I kid you not. What do you think I did? I wrote another check, y'all. And and I am just gonna be serious like honestly, that third check bounced. I ended up paying like 250 bucks for a cheeseburger. Okay, so 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 here is the lesson in all of that. Number one, balance your checkbooks. They don't do that automatically. Uh, that's something very important to do. And just so you all know are like, who is our pastor? (laughs) Can he not bounce a checkbook? I have never bounced a check since that since that time. And so matter of fact, I'm like on the opposite side of that now. Um, Lesson learned. But the second lesson was a lesson in sufficiency. Because because here's the deal to be sufficient is to be enough or to have enough or to have more than enough. And, and, and what the text is teaching us this morning, these three verses, is something that we must keep central uh, to our convictions as a local church. And that is this. It's this truth that Jesus is everything. Paul is writing a letter to the church at Colossae. And he's writing from a prison cell. And this young church is growing. This young church is thriving. The Bible says they're increasing they're bearing fruit. Uh, this, this church is doing absolutely incredible things. Uh, but, but here's the thing, that there, was, there were outside pressures that were bearing down. And he needed to encourage the church because there are a lot of important things that happen in the life of a church. But the most important thing to understand is that Christ is supreme and that He is sufficient. You had false teachers that were trying to lean in, pressure the church, even infiltrate the church from the inside out. And the whole purpose was they were trying to lure, or as we'll see in a moment, take captive the minds of those that were these young believers and to lead them astray, to lead them into false teaching. And just kind of as a refresher, I, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but just a reminder of the pressures they were facing there were three specific groups. One were the Gnostics, Gnosticism. The Gnostics completely refused to accept that Jesus Christ was God. So they, they refuted the deity of Christ, the fact that Jesus is God. And not only that, but they also thought all things flesh was evil and all things spirit was good. They believed Christ was an emanation, big word there, but it, it was a, it was a uh, that, that Christ was a created being. And that, that that is what Christ was. And, that, and that not only that, they thought if you wanted to have a relationship with God, then, then you have to reach a certain level of intellectual knowledge in order to have a relationship with God. So for everybody else, you're just kind of out of luck. And so you had this, this Gnostic pressure that was leaning in. You had Jewish legalism. They said, if you want to have a relationship with God, then you've got to follow all the rules. You've got, you got circumcision, you've got dietary laws, you've got holy days. You've got to follow all the rules, and then you can have a relationship with God. In other words, Christ is not sufficient. The Gnostic teaching at the very foundational level, Jesus Christ is not enough. Jewish legalism at the base, Jesus is not enough. And mysticism was this third pressure that came in. And their conviction was you actually had to hurt yourself, harm yourself, deny yourself in order to be accepted, hopefully, by God. And at the very foundation, there was this rejection in the fact that Christ was sufficient. So you had these false teachers, false religions, and they're trying to kidnap young minds Mature minds, those in the church. And Paul is not going to have any of it. Paul was such a bold warrior for the Lord. He was not going to have any of it. And so under the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he authors this authoritative letter to the young church. It's authoritative for the church then. It's authoritative for the church now. The Word of God is the authoritative Word of God inspired by God, but there were dangers then, and there's dangers now. Uh, there is a study that was released called "The State of Theology 2020." Liganiere Ministry put this out. Uh, listen to this; this is incredible. So, so when asked this statement, the statement is this: Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. And so the question was true or false. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Again, the statement: Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Two groups of people were polled in this. You had kind of the general U.S. population. And then you had evangelicals, which are those who would be committed to the gospel and believe that salvation is in Christ. So you got these these polls going on. 52% agree that Jesus was a great teacher, but He was not God of the general U.S. population. Now you read that, I read that, and initially it may be like, I'm I'm burdened by that, but I'm not shocked by that. I mean... We, we, we live in a broken world that desperately needs Jesus. And so we know that there are many, many who have rejected Jesus. But here is, uh, that's, a, that's a burden, but here is a burden. Within evangelicals, the same statement was asked. Jesus was a great leader, but He was not God. 30% of evangelicals would say that is a true statement. Which means a third of evangelicals accept Christ is a good teacher but say he is not God. And so that that is a burden and that is a that is a that is we grieve that and there could be a couple reasons for that either the absence of the teaching or the truth of God's word or the fact that even today there are pressures that will lure one away from the truth of the word. And so Paul is going to confront these false teachings head on. And in these verses, he's going to encourage us and equip us with this teaching that is essential to our convictions as a church, and that is that Jesus Christ is everything, that there is sufficiency of Christ. And so he's going to lay this out in these three verses. He's going to help us by seeing the deficiency of lies and the sufficiency of Christ. The deficiency of lies and the sufficiency of Christ. In verse 8, the Bible says this, See to it. That no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty to see according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So, so what Paul is going to do is he's going to lay out five warnings. And these are warnings we need to hear this morning. And he starts again in verse 8. He says, see to it. If you were to dig into those Those kind of verbs, it it would be a present active imperative, which means this is a command, and this command is for today. And this command is for always. It means to always be on your guard. Always. Be sure that no one, the Bible says, see to it, that no one takes you captive. And so this word for no one means literally anybody. It means your friend. It means your friend boss it means your co-worker it means your husband your spouse it means your preacher it means your teacher it means all of these things he's saying listen you need to be on alert that no one takes you captive that word captive there's the same word we would use for kidnap is this idea that you would be snatched away be on your guard what it is you believe because I know my testimony. There are a lot of things I have. I know absolutely nothing about. And so, when somebody that I think knows what they're talking about tells me what's going on, I'm going to believe them. And I don't do that like like I just I just don't know the truth. I mean, we we've seen this. I, like we we can be gullible. We need discernment. We need wisdom. I remember uh, this was several years back. I was like 11 ish years old. I went uh, uh, white water rafting on the Akoi River. So much fun. I love that. And and so we went rafting and, and every once in a while if you need to fill your boat up, they'll kind of pair you up with other people who are there to do the same. And so we were paired up with, with a couple not from around the southeast or anywhere. I'm not quite sure where they were from. And so we're out rafting, we're having a good time, and we learned very quickly our raft guide was a prankster and loved to have a good time and laugh and all those good things. And so we're rafting, it's a good time, good time. Well, there's this place on the Akkoi where there's this kind of calm stretch, and you can kind of get out, float, and get back in the raft. Well, anyway, the raft guide starts talking about all of the kangaroos that are in the hills around the river. And, And as I'm hearing that, I'm like what's this guy doing? There ain't no, there's no kangaroos. Everybody knows there's no kangaroos. And so I'm like, but, but the, this, this girl that was the, one of the couples that was, I don't know where they were from, she completely believed that there were kangaroos. And they're like, you really got to be careful if you get out of the river because they're everywhere. And she completely bought in. But here's the thing. You're the raft guide. You're in a position of authority. You do this every day of your life. You live around here. So you must know what's true, what's not true. In the South, some of you may have gone snipe hunting in your life. And, and, and I have been snipe hunting and it's not fun because snipe don't exist. And Somebody, somebody take you and like, I'm going to, oh, did I let the secret out? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But no, here's the deal. I believe you. You look like what you know you're talking about. I, I'm going to buy into what it is. And Paul is warning them. He's like, listen, don't be taken captive. Don't be deceived don't give in you need to be discerning be discerning all through scripture there is a warning to beware of false teaching in matthew chapter 7 15 to 16 jesus says beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves you will recognize them by their fruit and so it could be you get a knock on the door one day and the knock on the door says, hello, we're Christians. We love Jesus. We would love to have Bible study with you. And if, if you open your heart and if you drill down, you will learn very quickly that everything depends and hinges on who do you say Jesus is. Because there are people who would say they are Christians. And there are people who say they love Jesus. But they do not believe the truth of God's Word that Jesus Christ is God. And so Paul is saying, listen, be wise, be discerning. And the way we are discerning and wise is we saturate our lives and our hearts with the truth. For so long, I'd heard it so many times that I would I would hear a statement um, that would be like, you know, don't you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. And, And I heard it so often that I assumed it was scripture, but it's not there. I mean, ask Job what, what, he, what he thinks about that. Or, or God helps those who help themselves. And, the, and the, there are these sayings that we hear or are said, but the, 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 the reality is if, if you look, you will not see those in Scripture. And so the challenge is that we would, we would, we would know the Word so we would be able to acknowledge or see the lie, the deceptiveness. And so he's gonna, he's gonna give us these five ways of, of being weary or being aware. The first is by philosophy. Philosophy is the love of wisdom. By the way, this word philosophy is the only place in the entire Bible where you'll find it. It's the only place. And it's a it's in a word of warning. Philosophy is the love of wisdom. And certainly Paul is not condemning wisdom. Wisdom is good. We need to be wise. But the, 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 the challenge here is that he is condemning worldly, man-centered wisdom. And that wisdom resol- revolves around man. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom begins and ends with God, with His Word. That be weary of where this truth is coming from, Because Psalm 14, 1 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. And so Paul is is giving a warning here. Listen, don't be led, don't be taken captive by philosophy. Be weary of words like, I feel, or I think, or don't you think. That when you are given wisdom, or you are given truth, whether whether it's your friend, your pastor, your parents, that where is this in light of the Scripture? I love what Paul, Paul was, Paul was mentoring young Timothy in the faith. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he tells Timothy, he says, listen, he says, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But Paul's like, listen, listen, be wary of philosophy, be wary of empty deceit. And then he goes on to say, and according to human tradition, human tradition, this is the methods of the false teachers. Don't replace God's word with man's tradition, man's tradition is exactly that. It's something that's passed down from generation to generation, but its roots are in man and not in the word or not of God. And so so the challenge is that we would never be at this place where we say something like, I don't care what scripture says, this is the way it's always been. That that is a warning signal that tradition has begun to Take the place of the word of God. And, and, and what Paul is saying is like, listen, brother, sister, he's like, listen, the word of God is to be our authority and not tradition. Tradition is great. I love tradition. There are some traditions I hold dear. But the traditions are never to take the place of the word of God. He goes on to say, and according to the elemental spirits of the world, that can mean a couple of things. But the word there means in a row or in a series. It's the same word that they would use to describe the ABCs or the basics. And what this is, is this would be perhaps a turn from divine revelation to human inspiration. And so like Paul's like, why would you give up the truth and the authority of God's word in order to go backward and give in to some of these elemental truths that are not rooted in Christ? It could also be that there were certainly worshipers there at the time, false teachers that would focus on angels, and they would worship angels, spirit beings, emanations. This idea you got to work your way up. And so, so this elemental spirits, and what Paul is saying, he's like, listen, he's like, he's like, no. He's like, no, beware of this elemental spirit. And he says there, he wraps it up, when he says, and not according to Christ or not after Christ. In other words, don't let your heart be taken captive or led astray by anything that is not after Christ or rooted in Christ. And this is important for us to understand. Because, because for many of us, if we, were, if, if we think of Christianity, we have to be careful that, that we do not necessarily connect Christianity with, with a list of do's and don'ts. That Christianity is not adherence to a set of do's and don'ts, but it's adherence to a person, and that person is Jesus, and that you come to Christ through a relationship with Christ through repentance and faith, but you do not come to Christ by doing good things. It's a relationship. It's kind of like this idea that if I go to Sonic, which I like to do, and happy hour, and get a good deal on a strawberry milkshake, by going to Sonic, I don't turn into a milkshake, okay? I love Mexican food, okay? And I eat lots of queso. So by going to a Mexican restaurant, it doesn't make me queso, okay? Uh, that would be maybe good, but, but, but the thing is this, is, is it's, it's important, not that we, don't, that we don't maybe even say to come to church making you a Christian anymore, then going to get an oil change makes you a car. It's this. It's to be a Christian, it's through a relationship with Jesus. And Christ is sufficient alone for salvation. And so he gives this warning, the deficiency of lies. But then he transitions to teach about the sufficiency of Jesus. And this is so important for us to hear. Because in verse 9, Paul says, For in Him, Christ, in Him, the whole Fullness of deity dwells bodily. In other words, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. The fullness of God rests permanently. That's that idea of the fullness of deity dwells. It means to rest permanently. In other words, Jesus has always been, is, and will forever be God. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was was God, the Word clothed in flesh and tabernacled among us, dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is God, and in Him and Him alone is satisfaction and salvation. First John 4, 2 and 3 says, By this you know the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Jesus Christ is God clothed in flesh. It's the incarnation of Jesus. It was necessary for God to identify with man because he would be man's one and only substitute. His substitutionary death that granted us forgiveness and relationship. For those in Christ, we will worship Christ forever and ever in eternity and scripture informs us that we will see the scars of our savior as we are in eternity forever forever a reminder of what christ did for us that we could never do for ourselves revelation 5 6 john says in his glimpse of heaven he says between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders i saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain And it is this forever reminder of the marks that won our salvation and our forgiveness. He says in verse 10, he says, and you. Remember, he's writing to the church. So he's writing to those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ. He says, and you have been filled in him. Another word would be complete. Maybe your translation says that. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and Authority And what Paul is saying is, listen, in Christ you are complete. You're complete in Him. As believers, we are in Christ, complete in Him. Every spiritual need is completely, fully met in Christ. Possessing Christ, we possess everything that we need. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The moment that you were saved, you were given new life. If we were to back up just a couple verses to chapter 1, verse 13, Paul is painting this picture and he says, for those in Christ, he says that you have been delivered from the domain of darkness and you have been transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. That in Christ you are a new creation. The old is passed away. Behold, all things become new. You are complete. You are complete in Christ. You don't need addition in Christ Jesus plus nothing equals everything that word there to be filled uh to be complete it's it's a nautical term any boaters in the house like to either go fishing uh go tubing all right a few y'all love it love it okay so so if next weekend uh I said hey we're gonna go we're gonna go to Sardis and um we're gonna go crappie fishing for a little while and then we're gonna go tubing who's in anybody in for that a little crappie fishing, a little tubing. Okay, but here's the thing. I have like five holes in my boat. So, so we'll get to do that for a little while, but then we'll need to stop and we'll need to dump water out and then we'll get to do it some more. And then that's about the time you look at me like I'm crazy and you're like, you're just kind of like, I'm just going to step away. Actually, I have plans. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Just by the way, something came up. But that's the picture. That you're complete in Him. You're filled in Him. It means you're fully rigged. You are complete. To follow Christ and everything that he has called you to be in his grace and in his strength. That in Christ you have everything that you need. That means that in Christ he is sufficient for being the wife that God's called you to be. Or being the husband that God has called you to be. Being the worker God's called you to be. The co-worker God's called you to be the student. God's called you to be the friend that God has called you to be that in Christ. He is sufficient in his grace and his strength for everything that he has called us to do. We can't do it on our own, but we are complete in him and through him. And so Paul is saying, listen, church, he's like, be on your guard, be on your guard, be on your guard against philosophy Empty deceit, tradition, elemental things, anything that's not after Christ, don't allow them to kidnap you. That's what was happening in the church, trying to lure away from the truth of the gospel. And the truth is that Christ is sufficient. Christ is everything we need. It's what makes the good news so good that as believers, we we often use this word, gospel, and so we use the word gospel, we're to share the gospel with others. And, and so we, we were saved through the gospel, the good news. And so, so even this morning, I just really felt led for us to kind of walk through what makes the gospel the gospel. And that by God's grace, as we understand the gospel, and God helps us to understand the gospel, that, that it would inspire us to share that gospel with others. This gospel that I want to share with you, it's it's in an acrostic. I went through an evangelism class called Can We Talk? Uh, And and, and it it, it so helped me, and I wanted to share it with you, and I, I pray that it may be an encouragement to you as well. But the more we understand the gospel, I believe the more effective we'll be in having gospel conversations. So God, help us to grasp the gospel. And so I want to walk through it. The Gospel, G, begins with God's character. God's character. God is rich in love. God is rich in mercy. God is rich in compassion. He is the righteous and holy judge. And He, is, he cannot allow the guilty to go unpunished. Because He's holy, because He's perfect, He must judge sin. He must judge sin. Habakkuk 1.13 You who are of purer eyes than to see evil cannot look at wrong. The Gospel begins with God's character because He is perfect and He is holy. And that helps us then understand that our sin is offensive to Him. That O is the offense of sin. Man's sin is a critical part of the Gospel because if we don't understand this part, we will not understand our need for a Savior and why all of those apart from Christ need a Savior. Sin is anything we think, say, or do that hurts the heart of God. Sin is that God has a will and a way and a design. And when we depart from God's design and God's way to go our own way, that is called sin. And it leads to a place called brokenness every single time. We can try to manufacture or manage or create little uh, things that will help our brokenness, but at the end of the day, we can't do anything about it. It's only in... Christ. And so sin, the Bible teaches us, Romans 3 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And so we see our offensive of sin, which means there's nothing we can do about our sin. Man's rebellion began in the garden, it's passed down from generation to generation and our sin separates us from this holy God. But then we see as the sufficiency of Christ. This is what we've been digging into this morning. This is not that Christ is just man's answer for forgiveness. Christ is man's only answer for forgiveness. He's the only way because Christ is sufficient. That means nothing needs to be added to the gospel to complete his promise of forgiveness and relationship. This is why Christ plus nothing equals everything. That when you repent of your sin and trust Christ as Savior, he alone has the power to save. That's what he told us. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He is the linchpin. He holds everything together. In Him, all things hold together. The letter told us that just a few weeks ago. As we walk through, He holds all things together. The gospel is built around the sufficiency of Jesus. But then we see that there is a personal response. A personal response. That there is a personal response to the sufficiency of Jesus. God is clearly at work in salvation. He is Holy Spirit convicting us of our sin. The Bible teaches that He draws people to Himself as He is... Lifted up. But man, the Bible teaches us man has a responsibility. That means that every single person in this room today, everybody listening in online, every single person has a responsibility to hear the gospel and to respond to the gospel. To respond to the gospel, to hear the gospel. This belief will result in turning to God from sin and self to worship and serve him. Jesus when he came after his baptism, he came the Bible says the time is he says the time is fulfilled the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe the gospel. On Pentecost Acts chapter 2 verse 38 Peter's preaching and he says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had among you and how you had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for His Son from heaven. Christ will come again, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. There is a personal response. We all have a personal response To the gospel. But then we also see an eternal urgency. An eternal urgency. The Bible teaches us that eternity presses in on us. That we understand as the Bible teaches that life is like a vapor. That there are certain times, sometimes more so than others, when we are confronted with our own mortality. And that we understand that 1,000 years from now, that unless Christ tarries, we will not be here. That we are not bulletproof. We do not live forever. The fact that God has designed us to spend eternity with Him. That we are created for eternity. And so there's an urgency. But those who don't place their trust in Jesus will perish in hell, separated from God. But those who trust in the sufficiency of of Christ's sacrifice on the cross will spend eternity with God in heaven. And it is this urgency that drives us to share it drives us to share with our neighbor and our coworker or a family uh, member who is far from God. This is what drives us because there is an eternal urgency, an eternal urgency. And then these five essentials lead to this incredible effect, which is the L, life transformation. One who hears the gospel and accepts the gospel, the result is a changed life, that your life is changed. I say this with fear and trembling and with love. But this truth, I believe with all of my heart, and that is this, if there has been no change in your life, there has been no Jesus in your life. I believe the Bible teaches us that. The Bible teaches us because he changes us from the inside out. He changes us from the Inside out, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, He says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. I'm not painting this picture that we are perfect people that never make mistakes. That could not be further from the truth. We desperately need the Holy Spirit working in our lives, giving us a grace and strength to live in a way that honors Him. But we do that by walking in Him or with Him, saturating our hearts with the truth of God's Word, Prayer, communion with the Father, walking in those obedient steps that we know He's called us to do. We don't do in our strength, we do in His strength. That we commune with Him. That we're in community, disciple-making relationships, encouraging, sharpening one another. But one thing's for sure, the Gospel changes lives. The Gospel changes lives. And so when we see this Gospel built around the sufficiency of Christ and Christ alone, the question we must ask is, does my life reflect the power of the gospel, and the sufficiency of Christ. Does my life reflect this? I am daily reminded of falling short time and time and time again. But yet, as a believer, one who has been redeemed and rescued by the grace of God, my desire is to honor the Lord and with His strength to uh, to live a life that honors Him and live on mission for Him. This last question that I think we all must ask ourselves in light of this text is simply this. Have I responded to the sufficiency of Christ through repentance in faith? I'm going to ask this question. Are you complete in Christ? I mentioned that our sin separates us from God and all of us are living in one of two places. We are living apart from God in brokenness or we are living in relationship, God, within His will. It's one of those two places. There's no there's no in-between. Do you know Him? And I'm not saying, do you know Sunday school answers. I'm asking, do you know Him? Do you have a relationship with Him? Has He changed your life? Have you had a relationship with Christ? Or is... is 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 there been any confusion around somehow that there's this this list of things that 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 I'm I'm, I'm a I'm a i am i am ai am serve I teach I help I do all these things but but that's that's great but the most important question is do you know him do you have a relationship with Jesus so I want to pray over us uh, in this moment. But I just, I just pray that as a church, we are reminded once again of the sufficiency that is in Christ. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Those in Christ, we are complete in Him, fully rigged for the adventure. We, If you're like me, we are well aware of, 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 of our shortcomings. But in Him, we are complete through the power of His Spirit to live a life that honors and glorifies Him him. But if you're here and you're apart from Jesus, I pray you would give your heart and life to Jesus. I talked with a brother this week over a cup of coffee and he said he, he came to faith in Christ, faith in Christ later in life, but he had actually served as a deacon at another church and, and, and that he had, he had like always served and helped in all of these different ways and, and that, 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 that he, he, he went down front and, and to pray and, and, and he, he went to the pastor. He told me, he said, he looked at the pastor and said, I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. And so the pastor was like, what, what do you mean? Like you've done all this stuff. He's like, yeah, I've done a lot of stuff, but I need Jesus. I need a relationship with him through repentance and faith. Do you know him? Do you know him? Let's pray together. Heavenly father, thank you for this text. Thank you for this authoritative word. Thank you, Father, for loving us enough to equip us with truth. That, Father, that we would not give in to philosophy, a love of wisdom, empty deceit, value tradition over your authority, be led away by elemental things, things that are apart from you, not after you. But, Father, that in you, We are complete. The father in you, the fullness of deity dwells. You are God and you are sufficient for our salvation. And you are sufficient for every need that we have in our lives. So as believers in the room, may we be reminded of your grace and your love and that we are equipped, fully rigged for all that you've called us to be and do for your glory and for your mission father for anybody who may be here and the question is asked are you complete in him that father today would be the day of salvation that today would be the day of moving from i know facts about jesus to knowing jesus as lord and the bible says that if you acknowledge your sin and turn from your sin and turn to jesus To believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, died on the cross for your sin and rose from the dead victoriously. That if you repent of your sin and trust him as Lord, he will save you. He will save you. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Father, for the one who would say, I'm going to wait till I get some things Right in my life, on a wait till I get some things in order. Father, that those are just excuses that the enemy uses. Father, you accept us where we are, but you love us so much to move us forward in your grace and your strength. And so I pray that anyone apart from you would begin a relationship with you. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing a song. And, um, I just want to, I just want you to feel uh, free to, if you feel led to come and pray at the altar, please come and pray at the altar. If you want to get on your knees at your pew, get on your knees and pray at your pew. We'll have a couple pastors down front. If you want somebody to pray over you, it would be a honor to pray over you, but let's just give this time and soak on what we've learned in the word today. And ask the Lord, is there anything in my life that you are calling me to? Are you going to work out in my life? And let's give him our focus and our glory. And, and his glory and the attention that he deserves. Let's worship.